When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Welcome. In a moment, you will meet someone who will take you on a mystery's journey from all over the world. From all over the world. Ladies and gentlemen. And welcome to episode 57. This is James Hollywood Machikari, and thanks for joining us this week for Motorcycle Madhouse. Today I got a special guest on the first segment. Known him for a long time. His name is Scott Neon Rose, and right now uh, he's having some difficulties, and uh, we're hoping to help him out over here at Motorcycle Madhouse. You might have seen uh, his uh, stuff over on our Biker Angle videos, but now we got Neon on the Madhouse to uh, help us kind of understand what he's going through and uh, what kind of medical attention he might need that we can all help him out with. How you doing, Ian? Hey, how you doing, James? Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, no problem, man. Uh, you know, I wish it was under better circumstances, but uh, glad to have you on. And uh wanted to get uh, some information from you. That way, a lot of the people out there could understand what you're going through right now and uh why we're looking to raise uh, 10 Gs. I know we're uh, at about 45 right now, and we're almost halfway there, so we got to get this over the line. Yeah, you know, uh, I didn't put a lot of information on the FundMe page, but, um, you know, I had a, back in 03, I had a great job. I was an iron worker, and, you know, I made really good money, and I got hit in Joplin, Missouri. I was actually just sitting in construction traffic, uh, owned uh, five different tattoo shops and piercing shops, went to mm-hmm. Oklahoma to check on one of them uh, to see if I was, thought there was an employee stealing, going low and behold uh, on that, right? So right. on the way back, we, stopped, we got stopped in complete, that stopped construction traffic, and Two trucks just decided they didn't want to put the brakes on and ended up in the back seat of my van, which most people probably wouldn't have survived. Um, luckily I did. I was, I was 
gone for a while there, and uh, they brought me back. Woke up in the hospital, temporarily paralyzed, um, and then uh, got released from the hospital there, and I've had ongoing problems since, which I did fight off. I have been fighting for almost 16 years now from this, and it all just came back on me um, really bad, and I pretty much lost everything. I couldn't go back to work with the iron workers. Uh, obviously, it's a pretty, pretty brutal job, so I couldn't. Couldn't go right. back you were doing some that. work out at the McCormick place, weren't you? Yes, sir. Yes, I was working at McCormick. Um, I would go work at the Ford plant. Um, I helped on Soldier's Field. I mean, I did all that work. I loved my job. No matter where they sent me, uh, it was a great job. You know, um, the money was great. Uh, the guys that rose there were great. You know, the Brotherhood of the Iron Workers is great. You know, no matter where you worked, whether it be in Florida, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter where they sent me. I, I, I was, you know, we always had great brotherhood of, of guys to work with. So uh was blessed to have a great job, and then all that was taken away in one swoop. So um, I struggled with it, and then um, so I had the case, and it had to be in Missouri, but it wasn't in Joplin. It got taken to some little small town in Missouri there. I had to go to court. Mm-hmm. And and my kids, by the way, which has just uh, been through hell, and and the wife as well. I mean, it's just been hell on all of us. Um, they, my Nikki was uh, one when this happened and had to grow up watching all this. And, you know, now I have the epilepsy and the seizures and all the head traumas back, and it's worse than it was. And it's just he's, he's had to watch this. Matter of fact, he just saved my life about maybe – 18 weeks ago when I went down again, I could stop breathing. And I thank God he was a lifeguard at Magic Waters. <laughs> right. If he, yeah, if he wasn't home when that happened, I don't know if I'd be talking to you right now. So um, I'm, uh, I don't want to jump subjects. So I'll go back to the Joplin uh, when I got hit. So we ended up finally going to court. Uh, I, I, I lost everything, and I didn't have no disability until 07. So four years I had to pretty much sell off a lot of the, some of the Harleys I had. I lost a couple houses. I had about seven vehicles. I had to sell them. I had to keep my family going. I'm, and, and you know, I'm a proud guy. I mean, this is kind of tough for me to do this. But, uh, you know, I, I've done so many things for people through the years. Um, I just, you know, some of my friends just talked me into doing this fund me thing. And, and I decided, hey, you know what? Maybe you're right. I, I've done a lot for a lot of people, and maybe, maybe, um, maybe I should just swallow my pride and do this, you know? So right, um, right. Yeah, and, and and a lot of the people that'll listen to this will probably remember what I'm talking about. Um, so anyway, lo and behold, we go to court, and this is a tough part for me not to get angry, but I'm sure there's people out there that have had this done to them, and they'll relate, but. So everybody knows everybody's name. It's kind of like the show Cheers. Um, sitting there, watching my kids go through just complete hell, pissing me the fuck off. And I'm watching this, my kids just cry. Say, and I don't realize this at the time, but they're, up there telling me that they, they're telling this jury and everybody in this town that I know nobody except my attorney and the drivers of the vehicles. Mm-hmm. and the company uh, that loaned the vehicle to the guy that hit me, the first truck that hit me, um, mm-hmm. Bob Sutton Real Estate, 
I don't really care anymore about his name because I don't think there's anything he could take from me. Right. So anybody out there, don't use him. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't care. There's nothing he could do to me. Um, he was smiling during the whole thing anyway, so. But, no, um, he's a shit. Oh, yeah. So $7.9 million was a lowball figure because I was so young. When I got hit, I was 36, and that wasn't, you know, 17 years in the union ain't, ain't a whole lot, you know. Um, right. But they, I, I told my lawyer, you know, take care of my family and, you know, my pension for the rest of my life, you know, because in my union, you could retire at 55 if you wanted to. Um, right. Not that I probably ever would have. I mean, I'm 52 now, about three more years, and I'd still be working. Mm-hmm. Um, so I lost a $7.9 million lawsuit in Missouri. Mm-hmm. And my lawyer was such a decent guy out there in Missouri. And I don't, you know, really want to mention his name and get him, you know, I actually should because he's one hell of an attorney and anybody out there should use him. Um, his name is Dave Slaby and he is one hell of a guy. He put up money for my family, um, paid for us to fly out there. He paid for the hotel, gave us spending money. I mean, everything you could imagine this guy did. He thought it was a slam dunk. Wow. And these people at lunch break were talking to each other in the restaurant behind the courthouse. The jury, um, <laughs> who was bringing what pie to the barbecue this weekend, and who was bringing what food and what side dish, and this is the jury now. Remember that. Mm-hmm. Which, first of all, is a mistrial. Second of all, it's highly illegal. Third of all, it was just I just felt like standing up and looking at all of them and said, "Are you fucking serious right now? Really?" Right. And then, on top of all that, the lady of the first truck driver that hit me with the Bob Sutton truck says, oh, I sure hope you win and you can buy your daughter that new car. And I said, what the hell are you talking about, lady? Uh, when did you ever hear me mention me buying my daughter a new car? Right. And it just so happens I already bought my daughter a Ford Taurus. I said, and I don't know uh, what the hell you're talking about anyway. I said, and I ain't got nothing to say to you. So right. these people were a real piece of work down there. Now, you know, I have a lot of friends in Missouri, so, you know, I'm not dissing on the, the state of Missouri, but right. this town, and I won't mention the name, was a complete joke. You know, I have no problem right. with the state of Missouri itself. I mean, the state of Missouri didn't cause this accident. Two individuals did, and the jury was tainted. You know, uh-huh. and the judge was actually asked, actually asked, I heard him ask, after the trial was over and they dismissed it, and I got squat. I did hear the judge right. ask one of the other ladies too. Tell, told him he right. was bringing a pecan pie. Oh wow! As I was leaving, he didn't know I was still around the corner. So it's some like Duke Deuce of Hazard bullshit down there. Yeah, I, I'm thinking in that area. You know, I mean, I love Missouri. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I go there. Oh yeah, you know, Missouri. I, I, you know, the state, but damn man, the consequences that you had to go through. You know. Uh, did you uh, appeal the case? No, he told me, you know, there's just no way because, I mean, obviously we didn't have the money. You know? Right. Uh, the other truck driver uh, didn't have shit for insurance, settled out for 100000 and that went towards a lot of my legal expenses and everything. And my lawyer right. gave me uh, uh, 7000 out of that just to live on. And that was nothing, right. you know, at that time. I mean, you're talking the money I made, I can't describe. I mean, the money downtown was just incredible. I mean, I'd be down there for 40, 50 hours straight. 
sometimes i mean one in one day you know go down there five right. in the morning and not come home for 40 hours you know doing the right. shows or something like that so you're talking double time time and a half i mean you know they'd have me stay gas up to all of the fork trucks and you know i mean you're talking the money i made was incredible i mean i could I could work down there for two weeks straight and almost, you know, I could almost walk onto a car lot and buy a brand new car, you know. I mean, that's how much money I used to make. So, you know, it's right. not even, it's not even all about that. It's, you know, I still raise my family like a man and, and I still, you know, my kids are all, my daughter's, you know, successful. Believe it or not, she works for the probation department for the state, you know, and, awesome. um, you know, my she other son's 29 yeah. and he's, he's doing great. My, 24 year old has two beautiful granddaughters that he gave me and he's doing good. Um, my 17 mm. year old, um, uh, this was the baby at the time. He's a, a major martial art champion and you'll be seeing him real soon. Um, Rock he's on. got a fight coming up in November 9th in Iowa. He's a, he's a major success. Uh, UFC's already talking about him and the Bellator wants him and yeah, he's a beast. So I've done my job, you know, to a point, but I still have to take care of him. You know, and right. obviously he's still at home, and I still have things like that. But I also have this clinic that mm-hmm. I have to go to, and I was also offered a chance to go overseas. And mm-hmm. as we know, you know, I mean, the trials are free to try to stop the spreading of the the you know, I mean, I'm epileptic and all that, but that's not the right. only half of it. I mean, I'll run down the injuries to everybody. Mm. At the day of the accident, I died on the scene. They brought me back. Okay. Then the mm. doctor came in and asked me if I've ever had a brain stroke. And I said, well, hell no, I've never had a brain stroke, man. I'm, I'm a healthy guy. You know, I mean, at that time I was solid, you know, 220 and buffed out. And I was a fighter myself. And, you know, I, I, a drummer and the whole nine yards. I mean, I do it all, you know, mm. you know, 120 down the highway on my Harley. And, you know, I never look back. And, I mean, that's just me. You know, I was, was a go-getter, and you know. And um, he said, well, you've had two of them now. And I said, what are you talking about, man? He says, well, apparently from the blunt force trauma from the truck, it appears you smashed the side of your head off something. I mean, well, first of all, there was blood gushing out of my head. But he also said there was something that I had in my head on. And 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 is that when uh, the epilepsy and all that started up? No, no, not at all. what happened was is that he told me that, then he also said, and then I realized I couldn't feel my legs, and that's when I went completely haywire in there. Uh-huh. Every, time I, every time that I tried to feel my legs, they kept the up and down my feet and my legs, and I couldn't feel them, and then I just snapped. Because to be honest with you, you know, I'm, don't, I don't want nobody to take this wrong, and I'm not trying to sound like the tough guy here, but I'm not afraid of death. I'm actually mm-hmm. doing this for my family. And right. I got Nikki with his career. I got my right. grandbabies and my grandson. And I just, I'm trying to stay away alive, you know, for my family, you know. And, right. and I'm just 52 just don't seem right to me. I mean, if if I didn't have the kids and anybody, and, and I probably would be on my bike riding, mm-hmm. going, you know, all over the country, not caring, you know. Right. You know, crack a beer or two here and there inside of the hill and not give a crap. You know what I mean? Exactly. But the fact is, is that if I don't get this stuff done, I don't know how long I'll be around. So I need to get fixed up. 
I mean, it's just, right. it's just too early. I mean, and, you know, and that's what we're uh, fun, and that's what we're fundraising for is uh, to get the medical uh, treatment that you Absolutely. need. Because you know, in this country right now, the government don't know how to take care of its own. They'd rather you know send the money overseas and take care of other people's health instead of its own citizens. So. That must be real hard on you right now. It, it is, you know, and I mean, I live in poverty level right now with my SSI and my pension because I was so young when I got hit. So I didn't right. have enough time in my life to build it up. You know, if I got hit at like 45, I'd be living a lot better, you know. Right. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I drive an 03 uh, town and country that's rusted out, you know, which don't bother me one bit. I could cry, give a crap about what kind of car I drive. It's the kind mm-hmm. of bike I ride that makes a difference to me. Um, right, but but you know, losing all that money in that lawsuit just just ate me alive because I could have took care of all my kids. Which you know, and the only thing that benefited out of this whole deal was because I was disabled and have these issues. My daughter got mm-hmm. to go to college at forty five thousand dollar a year college, and That's she yeah, and graduated with honors and got a lot of grants because of my health. And now she's mm. a successful probation officer downtown, and 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 that that's great, you know. And mm. then if she works, and then whatever she does have to pay back, if she works for for them for ten years, and she's already on her fifth year, mm. and all that goes away, all that goes away. She owes nothing. Oh, that is just, that's awesome. So that's the oh, only wow. pos- that's awesome. positive thing that's come out of this whole issue, you know. Mm. And um, so. I'll run the injuries down. So that happened there in Joplin. And then finally, you know, every time they would run that down my legs, I would not feel them. And they'd have to put me out because I'd snap and they had me strapped. And I told the guy, you know, I, I, I know it's not the doctor's fault. And, and I'm sure everybody's been there. And you get mad at whoever you can when you feel that. And I told him, I'll fucking kill you. Like, get me off this table. You know, I can't feel my legs. What's going on? You know, and, and you just happen to just, you just snap. You you don't know what to feel. You don't know what to think at that particular time. You know, right. all you know is you can't feel your legs. You know, right. <laughs> you're, you ride Harley's. You play the drums. You, you're a fighter. You know, you you do all these things, and you know, and and you're used to just running around like a maniac. And the next thing you know, you can't feel your legs. That's just not cool. I mean, I just I could not understand that. So been the scariest thing in your life. That was that was actually the scariest part of it. When they told me I was dead for a while and they had to pump me back to life, that wasn't so scary. Uh, You know, I mean, Mm. I've kind of you know been in a lot of situations with that. That's not real scary to me at that point, but that that terrified me. You know, and Mm. uh, so uh, eventually, after six hours or something, I got the feeling started coming back, and you know, things got a little better with that, but. As right. time went on, you know, so I've, I've ended up, it's it's going on like my, I don't know how many it is now, 15, 16 back surgeries. Uh, I got machines in my back, um, very limited in my walking abilities, and hopefully that'll improve at some point uh, the right. more I work it out and try to work it out. But the pain is just excruciating. I mean, you know, pain pills are a joke. Um Mm-hmm. They want to give me these shots all the time, and they don't work. They just hurt more to get the shots. So I'm just going right. to do it natural and just try to start getting back in the gym. But first, you know, like I said, so we go that far. And then I've had two more strokes since then. Um, and where, what happened was is one of them strokes happened um, as I was going into the grocery store. 
and that's when I smashed my face and my head, and that is what they believe kicked the seizures and the epilepsy into gear. So mm-hmm. it just seems to not stop, you know. Right. So well, yeah, I'm, I'm in. I'm in bed. How bad that is. <laughs> the what? I I had you know I had a the cyst I had a uh, cyst in my uh, brain and uh, that's what caused my seizures. But I know how the seizures are for people and they're just a nightmare. You know, yeah, I mean, as of right now, for those people around you, uh, around you, than it is for you because we don't feel it, but the people around they get. Uh, yeah, it's pretty bad for them. You're absolutely right. That's the problem. Um, is that you know I I just don't want my and I'm afraid. Luckily, nothing's happened in front of none of the grandkids yet. I mean, I don't know what they would do. I mean, these two little girls, three and four years old, I don't, you know, I'm, to them, I'm grampy. I, I don't know what they would do if they saw me go down like that. I just, I have no, no clue what, you know, right. I mean, anything like that would terrify them, and I don't want to ever have that happen. Um, so I'm trying to get fixed up for them. And mm-hmm. like I said, there is, you know, the chance. Um, of me, if I have enough money to go overseas, then the, the, the trials are free. Mm-hmm. But we all know Europe's not. <laughs> I used to right, go a lot yeah. in the 90s, and I know what it cost them. So, mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's the sad part uh, of that, our but... medical system is uh, they got all these wonderful trials uh, in Europe and, and Oz and Israel and here in the United States, you got to wait ten years before you can get help, and that's just that's a. And by that time, you're me. By that time, you're dead. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that is yeah. obnoxious. So you know, I do want to thank everybody. If anybody that is going to hear this and listen, uh, you know, that, that did donate and help out, to thank, thank you very much for that. I do appreciate everything. Um, mm. You know. And, and to well, I also uh, I also wanted to let the viewers or the listeners know, and the viewers over at Biker Angle, that right now Insane Throttle is putting together a fundraiser, and we will be shooting the fundraiser live worldwide, and we're gonna incorporate a telethon into it, and uh, hopefully we can get you some funds that way because we got to break that mark where you can get uh, better. That's awesome, man. I appreciate that. Right, I do appreciate that. But, um, well, yeah, you I, know, I, we've you known know. you a long time, man. Like uh, Neon said, this guy has helped a lot of freaking people out there, and now it's time to pay it forward. Hey, you know what? I'm not one that, that usually goes down that road and says, hey, look, you know, I've, I've never done that before where, you know, mm-hmm. I get people backstage passes, I get people tickets to concerts because I used to be in some pretty heavy-duty bands, and I... You know, I got a lot of pull with stuff like that, and I do that because I love to do it. I really do. Right. I like to pull little kids out of the audience uh, and make their dream come through and say, hey, you know what, come on, you're coming backstage to meet Kid Rock, or you're coming backstage to meet Leonard Skinner, or, you know, or whoever it may be, the show I'm at. And I love doing that because I can. And, and I, I like to do that because I think it's something right. that I just feel warm doing that for people because they can't ever get that angle you know they'll never mm-hmm. I've, I've had people literally cry and just say i can't believe you're doing this for me you don't even know us you have no idea who we are you know you've never mm-hmm. met me before and you just come and pull us i said well let me see you're singing to every word of a song you're you know every song that comes on you know every lyric i saw this little 10 year old girl as an example in columbus ohio 
It was um, it was Leonard Skinner, Kid Rock, and uh, Aerosmith, and I and I just I, I I was standing on the side of the stage with uh, Shannon, and I, I just I saw at every single word this little ten year old girl was singing. She was there with her grandpa, and and they were pretty close to the stage, you know, and and mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it. I'm thinking, well, you know, this, this is Skinner, man. You know, they, they put out some newer albums, but. She wasn't singing those. She knew every word to the 1974, 75, 76 songs, you know. And I, 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 I told the, I told the little Andy Frame security, you know, whatever they want to call themselves, you know, go, go get that girl right there. And then she says, "What?" I said, "Go and get her and bring her up here on the stage with me." And she's just looking at me. I said, "Go get that little girl. Do you not understand me?" You know. So she does, and the grandpa looks up at me, and I said, you know, I waved, like, with my hand for her, is it okay? And then he waved back, like, okay. And he couldn't walk very, you could just tell he was older. He just did a favor for his granddaughter, apparently. And she uh-huh. got up there, and I have never seen a more happier girl in my entire life. So Skinner comes off before they do Freebird, and I grab each each member of the band, and I tell them, you know, I say, hey, John, everybody listen. That little girl over here has been singing to every single song. I said, even Curtis Lowe. I mean, songs that you just, you know, wouldn't believe she can know the lyrics to. And they're like, is that right? And I'm like, every single song, guys. I'm not kidding you. You know? Right. Sure enough, they they pamper her with guitar picks, their towels, autographs, T-shirts. They come out of the back room with just everything for her. And then I said, and I'm going to leave her up here for Freebird, all right? And they said, yeah, well, you know, just hold on to her, though. We don't want her to get too excited and run on the stage. I said, I got her. Right. And she was in heaven, and she will never, ever forget that. And then as she, as she was walking off the stage, she just, you know, she just gave me this thumbs up and a, a little hug. And, and you know what? That kind of stuff makes my life, man. And I can do things like that. You know, right. the stuff I like to do for people if I can, you know? Well, it doesn't always have to be story. some, you know, some big burly biker guy that I bring back there, or some big burly biker biker couple that I bring back there. Like, I do things for kids too, you know. But they just right. get that opportunity. She'll she'll never forget that the rest of her life. You know, that was a hell no, she won't. <laughs> no, she never will. You know, she's got a guitar pick with everybody's name on it. She's got an autograph shirt. She's got. I mean, she she'll never forget that as long as she lives. You know, and and mm-hmm. I was glad to do it. Right. So, you know, right. yeah, so I have done a lot of things for a lot of people, but I don't expect everybody to say, well, we owe them, we need to return the favor. I hope people just realize right. that it could be them tomorrow, hopefully not. But if mm-hmm. it was them tomorrow, I would reach into my pocket and hand over the money because I, I believe that everybody should help everybody out, especially the way the, the biker world is. You know, if we don't stick together in this in this biker world, we're going to crumble. You know, I mean, the government's That's 100% with, there. In the biker world, I mean, the government's coming up with stuff every day to try to crumble clubs and, and just regular people. And, you know, and, and, you know, we get, you know, nobody pays attention to us on the road. We need to make that war aware. We get hit all the time. I mean, you know, I know guys that are losing arms and legs and, you know, part of their face and, and, and all. And then, you know, I mean, people just don't care. And then what do they get? You know, their insurance pays them out 50 grand, and then the next thing you know, that I mean, they've off the leg for the rest of their life, you know what I mean? I mean, that's, right. you know, 
and we just all need Man, to stick together. Fifty grand don't last together. around in this world. <laughs> Let me tell you. No, it doesn't. Grand is nothing. No, it does It's it's. I've seen so many of of those brutal things happen. It's just crazy. And then sometimes you'll get it where nobody has insurance. You know. Mm-hmm. And then what do you what do you right. then what then what you know so you know it's just everybody should just look out for each other and and, and stay tight you know I mean right um, you know I I know there's 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 issues out there with with certain people that don't like certain mm-hmm. right people you know sometimes people just help each other out and not worry about that you know right rock on yeah well. There you guys have it, folks. If you guys can, uh, you know, find it in your heart, uh, every, you know, every uh, little bit helps, you know, a couple bucks, you know, as much as uh, you can find it in your heart, uh, donate to uh, Neon's uh, GoFundMe page. We would all appreciate it. Uh, like, he is a great guy. I've known him for a long time, and he does help people out. And Let's uh, try to get him uh, the medical help he needs because uh, the government sure to hell don't uh, help us uh, when we need it. So it's up to us, like Neon said, to stick together as uh, the biker community and help one of our own. Uh, with that, you got any uh, final words, Neon? No, I just like I said, anybody that uh, anybody that can help and they uh, feel that um, you know that it's right to do so, I appreciate everything anybody could do for me. Just to get to that goal and. You know, get myself fixed up and, and, you know, where I feel comfortable again, that I can ride with some friends without me worrying about having a seizure and taking them out, you know. <laughs> That's the last right. thing I would ever want to do. That's the other reason I really haven't been riding. Um, right. And then, uh, you know, I just, uh, God bless and, uh, you know, thanks to everybody that has helped and hopefully, uh, anybody that does help, God bless also. Uh, thanks for having think- me. And thanks for having me on the show, James. Well, thanks for being on the show, uh, Neon. And again, uh, like I said, uh, in St. Throttle, we'll be having a telethon. We're trying to get it organized for uh, next month. Uh, I actually go and talk to the people on Monday and uh, see if I can get some dates. So you guys can all donate that way. But the GoFundMe page will be in the show notes. And I'll also have it in the comment section in the description box of uh, the Biker Angles uh, information. But with that coming up on next segment, we got uh, Jesse back with us. And uh, let me tell you, it's going to be a hell of a segment, but uh, we'll be right back after this commercial break. Hi, this is James Hollywood Machikari, host of the Motorcycle Madhouse and the Biker Angle over on YouTube. If you're looking for up-to-date biker news, then Insane Throttle is the place to be. Daily editorials and news that is dedicated to the biker scene. Come on over and join the number one internet biker news site at HarleyLiberty.com. Or come on over to the Insane Throttle's new YouTube channel for the Biker Angle, hosted by myself. Valorous Throttle and Valorous Fitness Custom Clothing Line is bringing the motorcycle and fitness culture together. Be heard and stand out in the crowd with our custom apparel and clothing. If we don't have what you're looking for, we'll bring your ideals to life. We're also proud sponsors of Motorcycle Madhouse on Insane Throttle. Check us out on www.outoftheboxclothingandproductsllc.com. We have great feedback and we'll do our best to keep it that way. Hey, riders. 
This is Little Brother Trucker from Storm Kicker, and you're listening to Hollywood on Motorcycle Madhouse. Want to hear more of our tunes? Head on over to stormkicker.com. And don't forget, ride on. Hollywood's Motorcycle Madhouse on iHeartRadio. Just back with us on uh, the Madhouse. Everybody out there loved having her uh, on and thought uh, she was the shit. So today she's going to break some more news about the kinfolk. And she is one of the admins with the kinfolk Rat Buster Truth Crew. How you doing, Jess? I'm well. How are you, Hollywood? Doing great. Doing great. We were just talking off air and you have a lot of interesting news for us. Yeah, actually, what we've been working on this week, as last week we had talked about uh, Aaron Delane, who was involved in that shooting in Florida uh, of that family in the SUV, and after mm-hmm. reviewing the probable cause statement a little closer and the state's uh, workings to build their RICO case, they made reference of two other instances where the kinfolk had been involved in violent activity altercations with another group. One of those Mm -hmm. was the uh, shooting that occurred in El Paso, Texas on July 30th, 2017, where the Bandidos MC El Paso chapter president was shot and killed during an altercation with the kinfolk, and three other individuals were also injured during that altercation as well. In reviewing the information, uh, we have verified that Javier Gonzalez, also known as Jake, uh, is currently indicted for one count of engaging in organized criminal activity of murder and three counts of engaging in organized criminal activity, aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. He's still in custody. He has a $1.45 million bond, so he's not going anywhere anytime soon. And he is due to be in court on 13 November 2018. And we found out that the club did do a fundraiser for him. And originally he was supposed to have a court-appointed attorney, but now he has retained an attorney from funds we understand to come from Kinfolk MC. And mm-hmm. the second individual who was now, charged... You, am yeah. I, well, I'm not to interrupt you. Am I under... Do you actually, you uh, premiered a video of uh, the altercation, didn't you? That is correct. Yes, we did. We actually received it from an individual who follows the page. They sent us the video of the actual event. Um, it's from a cell phone, so it's a bit difficult to see, but we have posted it on our Facebook page. Uh, it's about, I believe, 12 seconds long, and what you can see is, uh, you see two individuals that come in, and you hear approximately, I counted, nine gunshot rounds, uh, sounds like from a semi-automatic type weapon, and then you see two individuals run out. Uh, from the individual who was able to provide us with some information on it, they said that was the uh, actually at the event, and it was two kinfolk patch holders that were in that video. And actually, I was able to follow up with uh, the individual uh, not too long ago, and I said, hey, can you give me some background a little bit, you know, if you can, about what happened? And apparently, there were two stories that were put out about what actually happened at that altercation. And I just learned about this right before we got on the phone. 
The first mm-hmm. story that was put out was that the kinfolk and the banditos were in the same bar and the kinfolk were asked to leave. They supposedly mm-hmm. walked out like they were going to leave and then individuals came back in with supposedly a handgun and and a assault rifle is how it's described. That was that goes in line with a narrative that I have seen in the local medias that posted the story that there was an altercation that one group was asked to leave, the media didn't go into detail, but that seemed to go in line with what I had run into in research. However, mm. come to find out that a second story was put out, not to the media, but apparently to Kinfolk and see that their nationals had said that the banditos started a fight with the Kinfolk and that one of the guys was on the ground being restrained. So the other two, story goes, ran out to retrieve firearms and came back in to save the brother that was uh, allegedly pinned on the ground. However, no one's ever been able to identify who the third member was on the ground supposedly being beaten and kicked during this whole altercation. So they were covering their own butt, I think, just within Mm. their own members by trying to develop the story. Right. Now, you were saying uh, this is kind of like equivalent to uh, RICO charges, but on a state level, correct? Yes. That's uh, from what I'm understanding and the research I've been doing, I'm trying to become more educated on the state's equivalent to the federal charge of RICO. Um, From what I understand, RICO is the actual acronym that was given for the federal level. However, the states in their own legislation and lawmaking have developed what is their equivalent to it. So different states use different acronyms uh, for Mm -hmm. the RICO equivalent, if you will. And what I found in both of the cases where the kinfolk have been involved in violence as of late, which is the September event and this July event, the states have opted in both instances to put the enhancement of a RICO equivalent type charge to whatever the offense was. So if it was Mm -hmm. aggravated assault with a weapon, now it's their RICO equivalent, which does not help the MC community because they're using the whole definition of if you're a group of people wearing common insignia and you're committing criminal acts, and it kind of makes that assumption that all motorcycle clubs commit criminal acts, which is not true. But that's what I've found, that they are continually using that narrative um, and their whole base on training and experience. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, during the course of your research, have you uh, got any hint uh, that any of them are, you know, turning CIs or any of that? I have not as of yet. I'm still working our uh, our resources and, and trying to talk to people. That's my conclusion at this point. But anything could change with these trials, uh, mm. Especially these guys, they're scheduled to go on trial. They could put in pleas at the last minute. And unfortunately, of the most recent research I did for the El Paso case, they didn't have as much information available as the Florida case in terms of viewing actual documents. But given that I believe Texas has death penalty for murder, 
there might be some people flipping if they don't get something that could be advantageous in in line with sentencing. If that right. Well, yeah, down. down in Texas, they don't play games down in Texas. That's the death penalty. <laughs> <laughs> no, they do not, and they will execute uh-uh. it. <laughs> oh, yeah, they will. Uh, now, uh, what's interesting is I had uh, Aaron Davis. He used to be the national president of the Kinfolk uh, telephone hotline and stuff, said he wanted to put out his side of the story, that he's no longer part of the kinfolk. Uh, I was wondering what uh, the kinfolk uh, truth page got on him. Well, we've been doing, we're waiting to find out uh, in terms of trying to get some photos because allegedly a the group of nationals that spun off from the original kinfolk MC United States Bottom Rocker formed a local version, what we have been describing as Kinpoint 2.0 and Rocking State Rockers. So we've been Mm. hearing that supposedly they've been in areas specifically was, uh, I believe, New Mexico, Louisiana, and I believe Florida might have been the third state. I'd have to go back and verify. Um, But he's been laying low, and even with our resources going out in the community, they've even confirmed that those guys are laying really low, but we are working really hard on trying to get some solid, verifiable information of what his plan is. But he is laying low as far as what we've seen, but supposedly there's a kid, mm-hmm. kid poke 2.0. Oh, wow. You know what? This uh, The whole biker club seems upside down with guys like this. Let me tell you. It's oh, more it's, of a revenge club than uh, anything, it sounds like. Sounds like uh, they didn't like how everything was going with kinfolk. They got kicked out. Now they're going to do, uh, you know, like you said, the 2.0. It's kind of like what uh, Lollipop, as we call him, but Ray uh, Lebowski did with Iron Order when he got kicked out on bad. He went and started up uh, Iron Legacy. So <laughs> it's just exactly. like they go from one to another. <laughs> well, and especially what I've been noticing, too, is these guys will, will jump clubs, and I'm not saying somebody can't go to another club, to each their own, but they still have much of their uh, photos from their previous affiliations on the page. Meanwhile, they'd be like, oh, oh, you know, F my old club, fuck my old club, and this, that, and the other. But we definitely had one guy who, he was what we described as the Baskin Robbins 31 flavors of patch holding and affiliation. And that was Gidry Jimbo, also known as Kunas Jimbo. Now, is this the guy who used to be a part of the DC Eagles? Yes. And and I say that based upon the photos that we have received, um, he had pictures of himself in full patch of the DC Eagles MC, and as well as a patch holder of a red and gold support club. Um, right. And I noticed. Well, I was just I looked, a kind of surprised because yeah. the DC Eagles—they're a hardcore uh, group, and uh, I couldn't imagine somebody leaving that for a freaking kinpoke. <laughs> exactly. And looking at the photo, I, I tried to zoom in a little bit. Um, it's an older photo, and I didn't know much about the club. And I did some research, and they are a very well-established club that goes back to, I believe, nineteen sixty-two. Sixty-two. And yeah, 1952. They're from my part of the uh, neck of the woods, and they are some hardcore guys. They're 
real legit, and uh, yeah, <laughs> so it did surprise me, let me tell you. So, yeah, and uh, I was shocked, and then he's a patch holder of Red and Gold Support Club. Um, mm-hmm. I've actually noticed in the photo when I looked closer, I thought it was a photo that was taken before 2011 because looking at the Support Club patch, there was a change in, uh, I have my dates right, around 2010, 2011, when there was that separation from the international to have the Western Hemisphere with the Red mm-hmm. and Gold community. And his support club patch was, like it said, worldwide versus the uh, revised support clubs patches that later said United States. So right, I'm, right. Um, but then he also had photos of support gear for the Vagos and support gear for the Outlaws MC. And then supposedly oh, did an Christ. internet internet tirade about how he wanted to go back and how I understood the writing to be back to the Vagos. But he's never been a patch holder, from what I'm understanding. Right, oh. right. It's, well, you know, yeah. this just goes to show everyone out there, you know, this is the reason why the club scene's so screwed up, is because you got these idiots out there, like this dude. Uh, <laughs> just 31 flavors, like you said. <laughs> exactly. And like I said, in, in my opinion, I understand people of transition. They go to other clubs, but mm, at some not point, 31 my, flavors. <laughs> not 31 flavors. And my question is, and, and maybe you can help answer this for me, is at some point, isn't there a, like a loyalty that's established where you, it doesn't feel right to go to another club unless it's something that really you feel that's the, mm-hmm. the move I need to make. I mean, I don't know. I, I've, I'm not being well, that dynamic. Know, well, you know, personally, you know, like now I'm an independent, but if I ever went back to the club scene, I wouldn't go anywhere but where I came from, the black and white. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's the way it usually is. You know, I still talk to some of the guys, and, you know, it's like, okay, I had a patch for this one club. Why am I going to go somewhere else? And <laughs> But other people don't think that way now. They just go after the patch, and if it doesn't work for them, they just quit and try another route. <laughs> and it's uh, it's turning the uh, tradition upside down. It's turning the whole club scene upside down, and it's making a mockery of it. It is. It's, it's very. It's very unfortunate to that effect. And um, I just. I don't know. My. I don't know where it's going to stop. I don't know how to. How to suggest to fix it? Not that I'm in a place to make a suggestion, but it just seems mm-hmm. like it's a snowball, and it keeps continuing on and on. And, and clubs like Kinfolk doing this type of activity, where they act a fool in public and they do something stupid, it's just putting fuel on the fire for law enforcement when they write these probable cause statements. They're Mm -hmm. going into the fact that they usually refer to in the statements that I've read based upon my training experience, and then they put the narrative in of 1% clubs are typically known as uh, nonconformist, and they do illegal activity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is just supporting that cause of their narrative when you have these people start these clubs and there's no way for the community to police them anymore. Because mm-hmm. back in the day, there was some control in terms of, hey, you guys are acting a fool, you're not legit, you got to go. Now, because right. of RICO cases, 
And law enforcement being the way they are, if you talk to someone harshly, they're going to go to the cops and they're going to file something on you no matter how ridiculous it is. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, one thing, how can I say it, uh, the standard of people coming in the motorcycle club scene, and this is something that uh, I'll be talking about uh, in a new book that I got coming out November 1st. It started back with Iron Order, and that really was the year that changed the motorcycle club scene because you've seen this influx of uh, rubs or rich urban bikers, as I call it, or the ones that are, you know, in their middle age that are having middle, you know, middle age uh, crises. Mm-hmm. that came into this scene and thought that uh, they knew best or thought they were going to change things and the way traditions went wasn't the way it was supposed to be and now we got a whole big clusterfuck, you know. Because, you know, tech, with technology, it's hard to actually, for, you know, the dominant clubs like they used to the police, these pop-ups and stuff, because Rico hits you in a heartbeat, man. It's not like it used to be years ago where, yeah, you might get five, ten years, now it's 25 to life. And that's really something to think about, uh, you know, is it worth going after some idiots uh, that are making fools out of themselves or, you know, do you want to do 25 to life? Exactly. It's kind of, and like you said, with that evolution that have occurred in terms of the people coming into specifically the club community, it's kind of a reflection of what has come out in society, in my opinion, in that you have this generation that, Maybe it's because when they grew up, they were told everybody's a winner and you get a participation trophy and they're not taught about resilience. They're not taught about work ethic or dedication to an extent, my opinion. And now they come in and, well, I, hey, I got a motorcycle. I got this. I should be in the club. Why should I have to work for it? No, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. You have to put exactly. in sacrifice. You have to understand. And especially it's, it's very unfortunate because People don't, and technology makes everything so easy almost to an extent. You know, it's it's easy to reach out, it's easy to find information, and I think hand-in-hand in that, I think the media has taken and glorified acts that are not what is reflective of our community. You see more shows about, you know, like the Sons of Anarchy thing. I know going back referring to that. Before the the MC community, from I when I grew up, I don't really ever remember seeing motorcycle clubs. Maybe they weren't around in my area. I remember once as a kid, I think it was one of the major clubs rode through my town, and I remember there was like thirty motorcycles that went by, and I happened to run to my window and I saw it, and I thought it was the neatest thing ever to see because I never saw that in my area. It was just mm. something you didn't see. Well, now it's it's become kind of more flashy. And in terms of for the media and the news agencies to take these stories and run with them, and unfortunately, the community side is not able to be to be shown. They don't get to tell their stories, so they have to work twice as hard in the in the legislative field, doing things what David Devereaux, Double D, does in Washington and with the National Coalition of Motorcycles and all the states that participate and all the hardworking men and women who work with those coalitions to get the voice of the community out there. And even though they do that, then you have, like, the law-abiding motorcycle alliance that likes to stand up and think that they're somebody and say all the COCs are are run by their respective dominance and 
they are all criminal organizations. You don't even know what they are. You've never well, been yeah, to the one. Alliance allowed them biting clubs with that damn, uh, you know, 99% of them are cops. You know, cop clubs. <laughs> with with <laughs> the other 1% being Iron Legacy and Lollipop. And you're so right. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. And really, they shouldn't be talking because who's being the hypocrite? You know, here you got cops working, you know, shifts that hate bikers. Next thing you know, they're putting on three-piece patch and want to be with us and act like us, you know? (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, I've I've been to many, many COC meetings and COC events. I have never heard or seen at a COC event where a motorcycle club that was law enforcement affiliated was told that they could not attend or that they were not welcome. Everyone was welcome. So why don't these guys get off their asses and actually go to a COC and see what it is instead of being armchair quarterbacks and saying they know what it is when they've never been to one? I've never Uh seen this far off the top of my head. I don't recall one of the common cop clubs I see around here coming to a COC. I'm not saying you have to come, but why are you talking about something when you don't know anything about it? I don't right, think you have a right, right to have an opinion like that. So, case in point, but... Exactly. Exactly. Well, you really got it together, man. Let me tell you, I love having you on in the segment. Uh, what do you got coming up uh, next week? Are you going to keep on uh, researching this story, or you got any more coming up? Well, I think what we're going to do is, I think we've pretty much got what we... Uh, right now, I'm going to be talking more to the point of contact to had some pretty interesting information at the actual event um, and find out if there's anything more behind it that really could clarify what happened or what the mindset was maybe at that event. And then we're going to continue on doing a – hopefully we'll get some more information on uh, Aaron Davies and find out what's going on, especially with Kinpoke. 2.0, 2.0, as we nickname called them, <laughs> trying to find out if we get some photos and, and <laughs> see what's going on, because uh, supposedly they're existing. There is a second kinfolk that exists, um, and it's with state rockers on the bottom. So if any of your listeners are out there and, hey, you see a kinfolk and it's a state rocker, and I think it's only three states, but either way, feel free to take a picture Send it to us, post it on our webpage, and we can definitely dig into it some more. So we're trying, but they're hiding. They're being like little moles. They're scared. I think you know. <laughs> I think the webpage has really done a number to open people's eyes, especially people that didn't do their research into the club and go, "Whoa, this this is not legit." Yeah, so I want my entire right reputation. Way to go. <laughs> no, it's not. You guys are so, kicking ass over there, let me tell you. And I appreciate you coming on this segment. And uh, hopefully next week have you back on and uh, hear some more news. You know, you guys are getting really good at this stuff. This awesome stuff you guys are doing over there. Well, thank you so much, Hollywood. And I want to thank all your listeners and, and and the people supporting and listening to our story. And like we're just trying to put the information out there for people to know. Well, I'm telling you, you guys are becoming a real news organization. Let me tell you, you guys are kicking butt on the facts, and you're putting it out there. Uh, you, you really don't got no spin on it. You got the facts, and shit, they can't dispute the facts. And uh, that's what's the making of a great uh, biker uh, news site, man. I really hope you guys keep on going on it. Well, thank you very much. And, and that's what we're working on doing is making sure that we we verify facts and get as accurate information we can, so it's not so it's not a he said she said. This is you know factual information.
information that can be run to the ground. So thank you right. very much. We really do appreciate it. No problem. I'll talk to you guys uh, hopefully next week. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Hollywood. Appreciate it. Hi, this is John with Exit 27, and you're listening to Hollywood on Motorcycle Madhouse. Want to hear more of our music? Head on over to Spotify or iTunes. Hollywood's Motorcycle Madhouse on iHeartRadio. And welcome back. And right now we got our next segment sponsored by the Biker Hangout Corner on Facebook. It's one of our favorite segments that we just started up. We're going to get the going-ons in the biker scene right now with Marcy. How you doing, Marcy? Hey, James. I'm doing fine, dear. Thank you. Well, thanks for coming on. Well, thanks for having us. It's going to be a wonderful field weekend. There's a lot of rides going on and a lot of benefits that are going to help some people out there. Well, that's great. Let's hear them. Get to it. I know we got a bunch. We we got a bunch. We got the guardians of the Children Child Abuse Awareness Ride out in Salem, North Carolina. That's Saturday, and the kickstand's up at 10 a.m. So you need to get to uh, Meyerly Drive in Winston, uh, Salem, North Carolina on that one. Mm-hmm. Once again, all these are in our page. Um, you also have the Fall Festival down in Georgia with all kinds of motorcycles and demos and nice old southern cooking and grease pig wrestling like we do in the south. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You're already making me jealous with the events because we're up in Illinois and it's freezing up here. <laughs> it is cold in Illinois, but you know, when you when you go down south, you gotta have a wrestling pig wrestling event. They they do that stuff all the time, you know. Right. And then you you got the Bardello run out in Nevada, Las Vegas, Nevada. That's happening tomorrow. It starts. It kicks it kicks are up at eight thirty a.m. out there, and it's gonna last till three thirty. That's supposed to be an awesome run. I've heard a lot of people talk about that one out of Vegas. And then you got the fall bash with the Double D Burnout Saloon down in um, Kernsville, North Carolina. Those people, oh, that event was actually canceled. So people need to be aware of that. Well, like I was just saying, it sounds like that's going to be a hell of a party with a name like that bar. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's the fall bash, but they canceled the events, so that's not going to be happening down there in Kernsville. That's a good thing to know, though, because people go out and don't waste your trip, find another place to ride. Right, right. Um, Okay. So that one's not happening. Then you got, you know, on the 27th, you definitely have the ride for Marissa out in Salem, North Carolina. A lot of these rides are in North Carolina. And that's What's that quite, one about? That one is about a young lady that Kim mentioned last week mm-hmm. that, um, honestly, she... Bear with me just a second, honey, because I forgot what happened to this young lady. She was diagnosed with C3 um, and dense deposit disorder. 
is, is a disorder and they're trying to raise money for her medical things, her medical mm-hmm. bills and just um they're supposed to have food and she's gonna be doing a round of chemo, so hopefully that'll wow. help her. You know, the chemo is right. expensive and she's gonna need that help. And let's say we have the 27th also is a fundraiser for the Sisters of Eternal WMC, the national president, Blaze, is going Mm -hmm. through some really medical issues right now. Mm. And they're trying to help her with her medical expenses. Like I said, this is the national president for that. And they're just trying, uh, I believe she, she has degenerate joint disease mm-hmm. along with some other medical problems. So wow. we're all going to try to help her out as much as we can. Right. Now we also, we also have a, another ride for against domestic violence in, um, Salem, North Carolina on the 27th. Like I said, we have a lot of events on that day all over North Carolina. Man, Um, North Carolina got it rocking, man. (laughs) (laughs) But I do want to mention, too, I forgot one. It's the 21st, the the Sunday, is Mm -hmm. the Bagger Treats with the Abate Chapter, West Central Chapter of Missouri. And mm-hmm. Blackless Advocate and Gore is going to be there, which is Get On and Ride Charities. And the Kansas City Night, Night Shift Group will all be there. It's Bagger Treats in um, Independence, Missouri. That's that like is a fun one. Well, it's going to be because they're going to have a, – a, 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 they're supposed to have at least 120 bikes in a parking lot for all these kids to go get their trigger treats and set up and it, oh, it should awesome. be it it should be fun for them. And um like I said, honey, I could go on for days and days. But I think <laughs> we need to we need to stop right there because next week we'll have some more with the closer dates so people can keep them well organized. Oh, that's, that's awesome. You know, I'm wondering what the bikers are going to dress up as. You know, you get some of these bur- big burly guys, see what kind of Halloween costumes they're going to wear for these kids. Well, that is what is going to excite me because I, I want to see that too. <laughs> 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 and, 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 and if you listen to my grandsons, they don't need costumes because guys are scary enough as it is. You uh-huh. know? <laughs> it's like okay, but I'm like they're they're just bikers, y'all. They're not bad guys, you know. They're just, well, sometimes grandma they're scary, and I'm like, well, no, they're not. And my oldest grandson, he's like, well, no, when I get to ride with them, they're not scary at all. And I'm like, see, teach them young. Rock on. Awesome. Well, those are the events, guys and gals. This is this segment is always sponsored by the Biker Hangout Corner on Facebook. And next Friday, not only are we going to have the segment on what's going on, but Marcy's going to give us a review 
of the American Dresser. Now, it's with Tom Berenger, and it has everything to do with uh, him being on his hog, going across country. But I'll let Marcy uh, talk about that for a second. Actually, it's a very good movie that uh, shows not only the old biker code, it shows our country, and it shows the way things should be but aren't right now, and it touches the soul in so many different aspects, and it really portrays the biker community as a good community. Well, it's about time that we get a good movie out there because everybody, I think, is getting sick of being portrayed as gunners and all that good stuff. (laughs) And and you're absolutely true because this one is not anything about the drugs, the gun running, you know, whatever, the prostitution rings and all the stuff you see on those other TV shows, other movies. This is really about two brothers from different mm-hmm. mothers riding across the country together in the old Baca code and all their experiences. And it's that absolutely is awesome. a good movie. Well, you know, Tom Berenger, I love watching him in the movies. You know, he's always playing that hard, old-school, USA, patriotic type of dude. And he's a really good actor, and I'm really looking uh, forward to this, this review because I didn't even know it uh, was out there until you brought it up. So now I'm pretty excited to uh, watch it and hear about it. But, well, uh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, it's about, you know, like I said, it's about time you get rid of the SOA and all that garbage. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate having you on, Marcy, and look forward to next segment next week. And uh, you be careful this weekend and uh, stay warm in Illinois because it is freaking cold. <laughs> <laughs> the same to you, James. And to everybody out there, thank you for supporting Biker Hangout Corner and Insane Throttle News and Motorcycle Madhouse. We love y'all, and we're looking forward to a lot more good times. Sounds great. All right, hon, you have a good evening. You too. Ride safe, everybody. Hi, this is James Hollywood Machikari, host of the Motorcycle Madhouse and Biker Angle. I want to tell you about Scott Rose, a.k.a. Neon. Neon is a follower of Insane Throttle, but most important, a friend and brother. Neon suffered a tragic automobile accident that caused neurological damage to the brain and spine, as well as other injuries that altered the course of his entire life. Though he has courageously fought off the damage to his body, mind, spirit for years, it has come to the point where he needs additional support. New and old symptoms have returned causing even more complications. Currently, he is in need of medical care that requires multiple studies from multiple doctors, facilities, and clinics around the United States. Unfortunately, many of the neurological scans, tests, and medications are not covered completely by his current insurance. I'm asking all followers of Insane Throttle, Motorcycle Madhouse, and Biker Angle to show Neon what being a biker is all about. Bikers are some of the most generous people on earth. 
and always help each other when one of us goes down or is in trouble. I'm asking our followers if they can help a fellow biker and family in need. Neon has a GoFundMe page and for those who feel it in their heart to help a fellow biker, I'm going to give you a free ebook of the number one bestseller on Amazon the new age of biking and brotherhood in the motorcycle history category to show my appreciation and helping a fellow biker in need. With the contribution, Neon will be able to get the medical care that he needs in order to help provide for his family. Please visit Neon's GoFundMe page and help us reach the $10,000 goal. Thank you and God bless you, every one of you. And welcome back to this segment. Right now, I got DC on the line, and we're going to be talking about what happened at his local dealership regarding uh, his recent motorcycle purchase, some of the stuff he's going through, as well as the customer service, really, that's going on with the Harley dealership. Something not too good uh, these days, because actually, uh, Insane Throttle, we are being on this uh, case right now. We're actually waiting for another damn phone call from him, and it's like never uh, call us back. But uh, how you doing, DC? I'm doing all right, man. How you doing? Ah, pretty good, man, pretty good. Like I was telling you right before the interview, man, we're out here freezing our asses off, but we know winter's coming our way up here in Chicago. Yeah, same down here in Texas, that's for sure. <laughs> well, can you tell the audience a little bit about uh, what we're going to be talking about, how it all got going, and all that good stuff? Yeah, well, so uh, a couple years back, well, not quite a couple years back, but a year or so ago, uh, I decided that I was going to go from uh, sport bikes to uh, becoming a Harley-Davidson enthusiast, and... I decided there's a number of dealerships to choose from down here in Texas, but I decided to go with Fort Worth Harley-Davidson because I heard heard good things about them. Anyways, I go in there one day. Uh, I don't got much money, but I go in there one day looking for something to buy, and I run into a salesman who seems like he's all about it. And customer service at the time was, I mean, it was pretty good. It wasn't too bad. But uh, he came to me and just, Pretty much, he sold me on this bike, told me that this O2 Fat Boy was the one to go with and everything, and told me that it was in fantastic condition and everything. And mm-hmm. So when it all comes down to it, I purchased the motorcycle and whatnot. They, uh, I drive it home. On my way home, it starts blowing, blowing oil all over me out of the uh, air intake. And, uh, Man, I would have been so, pissed off if I were you. Oh, I, <laughs> I was so mad. I was so mad. I called. I mean, I I called him. I was like, "Listen, I know I signed this as is thing, but you lied. You told me to my face that this motorcycle was in good shape. I would have never signed an as is had it not been in good shape." And so they not generously, supposedly generously, they picked the bike. They come and pick the bike up, like couple days later because i was getting ready to have some handlebars that i was waiting to get there get put on it and they took the bike back and uh they told me they had fixed it and everything and uh i started having the same problem again and i told them now what did they uh say when you first you know dropped it off and they took it and said they were going to fix it what did they say the problem was they told me that it was had just been sitting for a while and needed an oil change and it was it had condensation buildup and it was puking on me. 
that's what they told me it was. So all they did to it was an oil change. They didn't even check anything further. They didn't check anything further than that. Right. So, I mean, now you bought this like- you you bought this used from the dealership, and everybody knows out there. When you go to a Harley dealership with their used bike program, it usually goes through, what, a 20-something point inspection, and they certify by a mechanic that it's all good and stuff. Uh, yeah, obviously, that didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> but go ahead. 20-point inspection or something like that. Yeah, that, didn't, that definitely didn't happen. And then, well, it continu- that same problem continued to happen. And then one day I was riding and my bike shut down. This is after I got my bike back. My bike just shuts down on me, and I don't know what's going on, so I push it over to my house, and I start Googling online what could possibly be wrong with it, and I get inside the gas tank, and they have zip ties holding the fuel regulator on the fuel uh, fuel pump regulator housing on the fuel pump regulator. This zip oh they didn't God. even check in there. So there's zip ties in there. I have to go to the Harley dealership in Wichita Falls, Red River Harley, purchase a new housing, come back home, fix it. The bike's running again. It's still puking oil. They kindly enough took the bike back again. This is like six months after I bought it and said that they did a bunch of work to it, but they wouldn't never really specify what they did to it. And on the ticket that they gave me, because I didn't pay anything, they didn't mark anything down on that ticket. Mm-hmm. They just put inspected test road good that's pretty much all that it said on it oh man now what did the service manager have to say and we're not even at the journal manager uh, point of this what did the service manager have to say well he said that he was very sorry and he was willing to fix it and everything and that's why i sent the bike i dropped the bike back off there the second time they had it for five days and they didn't do a damn thing to it i think they did another oil change on it and put some gas in it. That's what they did. When I got it back, it had a full tank of gas and they did an oil change on it. But he said that they test drove it for 10 miles. I said, 10 miles? You can't even, the bike's not even warmed up after 10 miles. That thing doesn't Hmm. start puking on you until it's nice and hot, you know? Right, right, right. And they didn't check any of the seals, any of the gaskets, none of that. No, they didn't do any of that stuff. I mean, they didn't even okay. know that, that fuel pump regulator had zip ties on it when I told them about it. That is right there is messed up, man. Uh, yeah. But go ahead. So we're going to continue from there. Go ahead. From there, from there, this is now that that was in that was in July or August of 2017. Okay, and now since then I've had been having just one one issue after the other, as well as it's still puking oil on me. When I go on rides, I got to take oil with me. Because so the original problem was never corrected. Never, not once, not, not even. How many uh, miles did you pick it up on? I got it had thirty thousand miles when I got it. Okay, how much do they charge you for the bike? If you don't mind me asking. Yep, seventy-seven hundred dollars. Wow. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I'm no. I was real naive at the time. I should have done a lot more research, man. And I really got got. So, but anyways. So here we are, however many months later, and I've been constantly having my neighbor, which around the corner from my house rides bikes, and luckily enough for me, he's retired and pretty much just works on my bike for beer money, you know? So right. now, 
as long as I buy the parts, you know. And so he's been, I don't know how many thousands of dollars I've dumped into it. He's had my bike more than I have, you know, and just, it's just been one thing after the other. Like just recently I got my bike back this morning or yesterday morning and he had just replaced every single, he had the full gasket kit for the primary and the starter and the, the you know, the main shaft. He did all the gaskets and everything on it. Mm-hmm. $20 he charged me and they were telling me it was going to be, they were telling me it was going to be like at least 500 to do just to do the seals down on the primary. I was like, damn. After originally this coming out, uh, was when you bought the bike, this problem was going on and they said yeah. they corrected it. Okay, good. They said they corrected it. Well, he, so, so I, I was pissed and I got on social media and I decided just to get on there and blast them on the, on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I blasted him on Facebook, and this new general manager, Jeremy something, got in touch with me. Um, I mean, persistently, persistently got in touch with me. He replied to my comments and then just got my phone number from their records and just called me and called me and called me until I finally answered. And uh, he talked to me, and he was real cool. I wasn't expecting anything from him of it, but, uh, of it, but I mean, he pretty much told me that. Once I got my bike buttoned back up from my neighbor to bring it there, and he would be willing, to, regardless of the cost, to uh, to go ahead and uh, tear it apart and find out what's wrong with it. Mm-hmm. The new general manager is stepping up and and being a good guy, but the old management that that place was under, man, it was something else. And what was uh, the manager's name, the old one? I, I, man, I couldn't tell you, man. I honestly never... I never dealt with him. I dealt with a guy named Dale, which was the service manager. Mm-hmm. I think his name was Dale. But that was it. I never, ever, ever dealt with the actual general manager over all this. It never even made it to him. Right. Now, when you, went and, uh, when you went and purchased the bike, did you go through HD Financial for it? Yeah, I sure did. I, I got online first, and uh, I went to their website, Fort Worth Harley, and I found the bike I wanted online that was mm-hmm. certified pre-owned Harley-Davidson or whatever. And, right. Uh, it, um, I did apply for financing, and uh, I applied for financing, and they said that they would give me uh, $8,000 is what I approved for with $500 mm-hmm. down. Right. So that's Now, where was now you got the loan with the bike. Where was HD during this whole, you know, HD Financial through this whole mess? They haven't had. I. They haven't done. They haven't done anything, dude. I, they haven't done a I, damn thing. They haven't called the dealership saying, "Hey, you know, this guy just got a pre-owned, uh, certified uh, new Harley or used Harley, and he's having these kinds of problems with it, and I didn't try to step up." Wow. I tried. I, I sent him. I, I got online and submitted a car, uh, did an email, like, uh, got one of the uh, email addresses or something off the Harley Davidson financial website. And I emailed, uh, sent an email, sent a message. Uh, first, I, originally I tried calling them, but they had, the, I mean, I had to go through all these customer service prompts and all this bullshit. Mm. And um, I figured the dealership was going to take care of it, you know. Right. It hasn't happened. And it, yeah, did they follow up on uh, what he had to say where they'd go through it, make sure everything's tightened up and all that stuff? I mean, they haven't. Nobody's 
since I talked to the um, the guy that you mean you're talking about the other day. Yeah. No, I haven't heard from anything else since then. He just told me, Jeremy, I can't remember his last name. His name's Jeremy something, but he just told me that he was going to, uh, just to call him and let him know when I was ready to bring my bike up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, or he would have them come get it. Right. Look at it. Now, I don't know how much they're planning on spinning, but from what my guy's telling me over there, he's telling me, oh, there's a couple of possibilities that the reason why that could be happening. And he was, uh, one of them was he was saying, uh, air getting in there and he's hoping that all these steel replacements mm-hmm. will fix that. But he's also, he's saying if that's not the case, then I've probably got a fried piston ring or broken, busted piston ring or something like that. Uh, and there was supposedly pre-certified, right? Supposedly. I mean, they've had it on the showroom floor. They said that their bikes that they'd sell, their bikes that have issues, do not get put on the showroom. They're sold through their eBay motors. Mm-hmm. The bikes that have issues, the bikes that are good to go are put out on the floor for people to purchase. And the bikes that have issues, are spo- all the issues are supposed to be disclosed to the customer prior to signing an as-is. They didn't right. disclose anything to me. He's, I mean, even the new general manager told me it sounds like that salesman, his I, his name was Michael, Michael Pettyjohn. He got fired from there. They fired him for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I mean, that's who they're blaming it on now. They're blaming it on him, of course, because he no longer works there. But, I mean. Well, of course, though, they're still uh, liable because that was their employee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well. I mean, yeah, he uh, he he told me, they, him and the guy that sold me the Dairyland Insurance, I can't remember his name either, but they told, they swore to me up and down. I mean, I was stressing on it like, man, is this, are you sure this bike's, oh, I promise it goes through a rigorous inspection process before it's put out on the floor. This bike wouldn't be out here if it wasn't, if it wasn't in top performance, top working performance or whatever, top condition and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, just, just fed the pile of shit to me and then and you know i ate it i mean i was a first time harley buyer and i just i ate it man i wanted a harley so bad right i mean now what would you say now you know looking back about harley davidson uh, man i mean honestly i i absolutely regardless of all the issues that i have with my heart with my fat oh two fat boy i love it dude I mean, maybe it's just because it's my first Harley, but uh, I mean, I just think that it's a, if it didn't have that stupid ass oil issue, man, it's just, it's a fantastic bike. I mean, it sounds good still. It, mm. it runs fine. It just blows oil all over you. Right. You know? Now, you know, you, you love Harley and all that. What do you, what would you tell people going in and, you know, maybe it's their first bike uh, from Harley or, you know, what would you recommend them doing when they're going to go buy uh, a bike from a dealership? Well, I mean, if you've got if you've got the money, then I mean, I would buy a a, a yuppie rollover, dude. Just something that's only a few years old that still has a warranty with it. If you've got the money to do it, that's what I would do. I mean, but you should be able to trust the pre-owned certified. But I mean, if if you've got a decent mechanic and you really want a Harley Davidson that's used and they got a cheap one there, I suggest that you get yourself a mechanic and you tell the Harley Davidson dealership that uh 
yeah, I don't mind buying this, but I'm going to need to test drive it for a few hours because I'm taking it to my mechanic to have him comb through it prior to purchase. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I mean, or just buy an Indian because it seems to me like they're really, really, really stepping up and putting their foot in the door where Harley Davidson's lacking. Right. Now, when you say Harley Davidson's lacking, do you think it's lacking at the dealership level or do you think it's lacking at the company level? Uh, I think that I, I think that the shit rolls downhill and it starts with their CEO. I think that the CEO is just, you know, I mean, this bull crap bullshit about nobody cares if Harley's made in America. Come on, bro. I mean, that's what this is all about. This is American made and freedom, dude. That's what American motorcycle culture to me. I mean, now that's what I believe. I believe that it's all about. I mean, it's brotherhood, and it's being American-made, and fuck, man, like, you can't tell me that if you transfer, if you ship all your production over across East Europe, I'm not going to buy a Harley-Davidson that was made in Europe. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I mean, I, I just, maybe if I lived in Europe, I mean, if that's the case, I'm just going to buy an Indian dealer, an Indian bike. I mean, the Indian is so, I mean, they are, their production is... I mean, I, from what I understand, Harley Davidson, the same bike can have parts, I mean, can have shit that's been worked on in all kinds of different places before it's even there in India, and it's all worked on in the same place by people, you know? Right, right. I mean, I, I think that it's definitely lacking up at the CEO level. I don't think that the guy that is running whatever, Levitich or whatever his last name is, mm-hmm. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that he's ever wrote a motorcycle before i mean oh you're, you're talking about madden oh boy that that guy's yuppie as they come man and i don't think and you're yeah, right I, he's bad. ever <laughs> he's ever did that 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 exact that's exactly who i'm talking about that guy up there that who's taking the harley davidson now it's cool that they're putting out new models and they're trying to expand their reach to a different demographic but just mm. because you're doing that doesn't mean you should leave the old school the old school original bikers in the dust, man. You shouldn't. You should have something. Of, if you're going to make a variety, make a variety for everyone. Don't just focus all your you focus all your attention on the millennials and the yuppies. You know. Mm. You want, I I don't know. I I think that he. I think that definitely it's. And then I think because of his all of his bullshit and the attention he's creating, I think that it all trickles downhill to the dealerships, and then. In the end, the customers are the ones that end up feeling it. Right, right. Well, again, let's remind our uh, listeners what dealership you bought the bike from. Fort Worth Harley Davidson. It's the uh, it's you know it's the only one that's titled Fort Worth Harley. There's a ton of them in Fort Worth, but it's Fort Worth Harley. Okay. And you know what? You got to give it to you, man. At least you still love Harley Davidson going through all this mess, even though. You know, buying your first bike, and this is going nuts for you. And hopefully, you know, through our research, and if they ever uh, call us back over here at Insane Throttle, but I'm kind of thinking they might after hearing this interview, because it's going to get blasted out all over the place, uh, that they'll finally come and do some stuff for you. Well, I hope so. I mean, that Jeremy guy said he was going to, so I'm just willing to, I'm really, really, really anxious to see on what he means by doing stuff. 
Mm -hmm. like really actually spending a little bit of time and money of the millions and millions of dollars that they make. I mean, you know, how how hard would it actually be to replace something or to just say, hey, you know what? Here, bud, why don't we just find you a different motorcycle? Exactly. I mean, how hard would that be, dude? They make so much money, and it's... Crazy. I, I I completely agree with you. I completely <laughs> agree with you. Well, let's hope they get this uh, fat boy taken care of because actually I ride an old one fat boy and it's been the best that I've had out of all the Harleys. But uh, yeah, for somebody like new going through all this, it's it, it's just nuts what you had to go through. And uh, hopefully be able to help you out and hopefully we get uh, this taken care of. So with that, uh, in the closing, uh, you got anything else or any other advice you'd like to give any, everybody? Man, just uh, if you're a first-time buyer, man, don't just rush into it. Make sure that you shop at multiple dealerships prior to purchasing. Multiple dealerships. And if you don't have access to multiple dealerships, then make sure that you do your homework before you buy the bike. Rock and roll, man. Solid advice right there. And that is DC. And uh, we were just talking about, uh, if you're just joining us, about him having uh, trouble with his uh, bike he just picked up at the Fort Worth Harley-Davidson. And it kind of sounds like he's been having some issues. So it is great hearing from you, DC, and we appreciate having you on the show. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. It was an honor, bro. Rock and roll, man. Let's hope this uh, gets taken care of for you, and let's keep the pressure on. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, riders. This is Little Brother Trucker from Storm Kicker, and you're listening to Hollywood on Motorcycle Madhouse. Want to hear more of iTunes? Head on over to StormKicker.com. And don't forget, ride on. Maybe, Harley, reconsider the way they are treating their customers, especially the younger generation. Here you had a kid, uh, I call him a kid, he's younger than me, but in his early 30s, got rid of his first uh, jet bike and decided he wanted to get his Harley, because that's what he always wanted to do. But instead of taking care of the customer, what this Harley-Davidson dealership did in Fort Worth, Texas, was scam the kid. If you want the younger generation to come to you, Harley, then you don't want to be out there having your dealers scamming the kids. This is ridiculous. You guys should have taken care of this problem the minute it came up. That's what your mechanics get paid all that good money for, isn't it? That's what you guys uh, charge uh, big money for with your service fees. You think you would take care of your customer. Because without customer service, you got nothing. You got people turning against you left and right, right now, in this community. You keep it up, you're going to go the way of the dinosaurs. Just this week, Sears filed bankruptcy. And that company's been around about the same time as you guys. Actually, longer than you guys. They forgot what customer service was about. Instead of making their stores nice, their employees trained well to take care of the customer, they decided to let all their stores go to shit. Let their customer service go to shit. You have a problem in your dealerships, Harley-Davidson. 
you have dealers that think they're higher than those that are buying the product. And that can't keep on going. That's not sustainable. Yeah, you're looking towards the Chinese and you're looking towards the India markets, but your core base is right here in the United States. Usually I don't agree with the New York Times. I think they're a bunch of liberal freaking tree huggers. But they actually did a really good interview with some bikers out there and why they supported Trump over their own company that loyalty's been with over 50 years. So let's take a listen and uh, we'll come back and talk about it. We are rabid Americans, so we believe that our industry should remain in our country. We love our Harleys. We love the whole spirit of the whole thing. It would break our hearts to have to condescend to an inferior motorcycle. If they were manufactured in a foreign country, I would not buy them. This is Sturgis. It's a motorcycle rally that attracts half a million bikers to South Dakota every year. It's like a pilgrimage of misfit, blue-collar, evangelical biker for Christ, and veterans. And while it's not an exclusive Harley-Davidson rally, their presence is overwhelming. Harley-Davidson has attitude. It's the sound, the feel. The rumble and the shake. It's in my blood. If I have to explain, you wouldn't understand. It's American-made. Or was. And that's what makes this year a bit more political than usual. Harley Davidson, please build those beautiful motorcycles in the USA, please, okay? Don't get cute with us. Don't get cute. After Trump announced tariffs on steel and aluminum, the EU responded with tariffs of its own, targeting American motorcycles. And Harley said it would have to move more of its production overseas. That didn't sit well with some Harley owners. This is my last Harley Davidson. I'm gonna, I'll go to an Indian next time or... Unless they change their mind and wise up. We know that there are parts on here that doesn't come from America because America don't make them all, but that's not moving the whole factory over. We've been loyal to them and we just want loyalty back. This is the Fab Four. Jawbone, Bent, Scrapper, and Stinger. They founded the Dirty Old Bastard Society five years ago and they own Stinger Saloon in downtown Sturgis. To them, this recent move by Harley crosses a line. The reason why people move to foreign countries is because they're greedy bastards. Now, I'm not saying that Harley's a greedy bastard, but usually when people leave this country it's because they want to make more profit. Okay, They don't want to pay the common man a fair wage. It's not that Harley hasn't moved jobs abroad before. They have factories in India, Brazil, Australia, and Thailand. But Trump has put the company at the center of the political state. Made in America. At a State of the Union, Trump said Harley was a victim of unfair trade practices abroad. They weren't even asking for a change, but I am. And those politics have trickled down to Sturgis. We want Harley-Davidson to survive this storm, but the person they've got steering this ship is just way out of touch. Chris Cox is the founder of Bikers for Trump. He takes aim not at the brand, but at the company's CEO, Matt Levitich, for moving things abroad. They've been planning this for a long time, and for him to suggest that it was because of Donald Trump and the, and, and the tariffs is absurd. But some people feel that this is what Harley has to do to survive, as long as the bikes they buy remain American-made. Well, Harley owners are feeling betrayed because it's USA, Harley. But if I owned Harley, I'd do the same thing. If they're going to go abroad to save money, 
hopefully they're only going to do that for the motorcycles that they're going to sell abroad. Hopefully us in America are going to be able to buy what's made in America. And you know, but I support them. I love their motorcycles. I love their brand. Couldn't, I couldn't let them down. I, there's no way. You can always tell rubs. <laughs> you really can. You you need to tell the way they talk, the way they act. And then you have these freaking women out there talking about, well, I'll support them no matter what. I just hope they do good and we can buy bikes in America. Man. See, that's exactly what's wrong with the biker community right there. We got all these rubs out there running around like they know what the game's about. <laughs> You know, after, you know, you do got to give Rub some credit, man. They do go out there, buy a $20,000 bike, and next thing you know, a couple years later, with only maybe two or 3,000 miles on it, they put it on the uh, market for, you know, half the cost you'd get in a store. So that's the only damn good thing about a Rub, let me tell you. And you can really tell who the scooter tramps are at the beginning, that's what this lifestyle was built around, was scooter tramps. Not your rubs, not your fancy cars, not your $100,000 a year jobs, but it was built by the working men and women of the biker community. And for you to come out, give your opinion, well, you know, opinions are like assholes, everyone has one. But anyway, the moral of the story here is Harley... You need to get your customer service under wraps, man. You also need to stay with your core base. You start pissing off your core base, you ain't going to have a company. Let's just say it'll be the 1980s all over again for you guys. Because right now, Indians starting to whoop on that ass. They're taking everything from flat track to get a new interest in all their motorcycles. I actually believe they made a damn good uh, choice when they uh, dismissed the uh, victory line and went all in on the Indian brand. But what do you guys think out there? You think Harley's going to get their act together? Or do you think they're going to keep their head up their ass like they have for the last 20 years since they let these rubs invade our lifestyle? But with that, I'll talk to you guys next week. Don't forget, every morning on our YouTube channel, The Biker Angle. We go over all kinds of subjects, come on over, get involved in the conversation, and let us know what you're thinking about over there. But with that, I'll talk to you guys later. Be safe, keep the rubber side down, and keep warm now that winter's upon us. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Motorcycle Madhouse. Don't forget to go over to Insane Throttle's new YouTube channel and check me out over on Biker Angle. Also get your daily dose of biker news every morning at HarleyLiberty.com. If you haven't done so already, go like the new Motorcycle Madhouse Facebook page. And until next week, I'm James Hollywood Machikari. And remember, keep that throttle cracked wide open. For 88 years, Ocean Spray has been the nation's leader of everything red cranberry. And now they're proud to announce new Ocean Spray Pink Cranberry Juice Cocktail, made from real pink cranberries. Wait, they've been harvesting them for 88 years? I've missed out on a lifetime of refreshing deliciousness? Introducing new, light, and refreshing Ocean Spray Pink Cranberry Juice Cocktail, now available at Food Lion. Better late than never, right? 
Holiday tips and wine stories from Kristen and Paul at Total Wine and More. The sweetness of a maple glazed ham paired with a bourbon barrel aged Cabernet. We went there. Now my taste buds are hopping. I can help you impress the boss with a great bottle of wine. Here's to a raise in 2019. As you check off that gift list, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection at Total Wine and More. Come explore at our 12 Northern Virginia locations. Now open in Reston at Plaza America Center, across from Whole Foods. Shop online at TotalWine.com.